In other words, there were things they needed to do, things they needed to tell their children, things they needed to address with their kids. But they felt like if they did it, they'd look like the bad guys, so they'd rather pastor do it. So I get to be the bad guy. But really, that's shirking your responsibility. Now, the other side of the coin is true. Don't ever, don't ever isolate or insulate your children to the point that I can't pastor them. Let me be your child's pastor as much as your pastor. But don't make me out as the bandit. I, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've actually known of, and I don't know why I'm saying all this, but I've known of, of parents who, when their child would act up, say, well, I'm going to tell the pastor on you. I'm going to take you to the pastor. I'm gonna, you know, that's not the right attitude. You shouldn't make me out to be, you know, the mafia or something. That your child acts up, you know, boy, you get in pastor's office, he's, he's got some concrete shoes for you. It should never be that way. Amen. And um, so, having said that, I also don't want to be guilty myself of expecting an evangelist or a guest speaker to be the surrogate pastor. If there are things that need to be taken care of, I want to be the pastor. I want to take care of it. That's what God has called me to do, to take the oversight of the assembly. This is my job. It's my calling. It's my obligation before God. So, having said all that, and having everyone nervous now and worried about where I'm going and, and how hard I'm going to hit you, praise God, um, I'm not going to hit you hard. I'm just going to tell you things that you already know. Just remind you of things you're already aware of. And um, really, you know, there is no new thing under the sun. There really isn't. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. We're going to read just two verses of Scripture here. We are then going to Luke chapter 6 to read one verse, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, read two verses. So 1 Corinthians 4, Luke 6, 2 Corinthians 9. Praise God. Everyone say praise the Lord. Are you going to help me tonight? Um, I mean, are you going to help me if... If... Uh, the devil doesn't like what I'm saying, you're still going to help me. If your neighbor doesn't like what I'm saying, you're still going to help me. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Praise God. First Corinthians, I'm really not grumpy. I, I really, I'm really feeling good tonight. I'm, I may get grumpy before the night's over, but, but I'm feeling pretty good tonight. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, let a man... So account of us as of the ministers of Christ. Now this is important. We're going to talk about this word in just a moment. But as the ministers of Christ and stewards. Everyone say stewards. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in 
stewards that a man be found faithful. Everyone say faithful. There's two words that I want you to notice in these two verses. Stewards and faithful. All right? Now, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus is speaking. He says, give and it. Don't you like that word? How about the rest of you? Don't you like that word? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So God says, I am promising you an abundant return. Based, however, on your investment. The more you give, the more you get. That's just the way it works. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 reiterates what I just said from Luke chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. It's just the equation of God. It's the plan of God. This is the way God's kingdom works. You give little, you get little. You give much, you get much. Just the way it works. America is obviously not set up on God's principles. It seems those who give the least get the most. But it's another lesson for another day. We, the only reason that, that is even significant is because if we're not careful, we'll adopt that mindset. And we'll think that we ought to be able to get a whole lot out of church when we're really not putting anything into it. I'm going to tell you, we've all, and I said we, we have all been guilty of enjoying the benefits of somebody else's worship. We come in, we're tired, we're wore out, we're frustrated, we're, put any adjective there, whatever fits your case. So we don't worship. But somebody does and gets the spirit moving and we enjoy the benefits. That's the wrong mentality. We need to be enjoying the benefits of our own labors. We need to shout the glory down. We need to sing the glory down. We need to pray the glory down. 
Well, this is why it's going to take me a while to get through this. Um, verse 7. Every man. Is there anybody that is excluded from that? Understanding that the word man here doesn't mean male gender. That's every person. So when he says every person, does that mean you? Does that mean you? That means you, and it means me. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. Well, I have to. Well, we have to go to church. Well, we have to pay our tithes. I don't see where he just says giving money. Well, the pastor wants us up there working again. Uh-oh. What happened to all my amens? Well, all of a sudden, it got very quiet. I guess I'm going to have to go. He wants us there. Um, as he purposes in his heart, let him give not grudgingly and not out of necessity. You want to know Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God is not looking for you to give because you have to give. Because you're pressured to give. And again, we're not just talking about money. So you can take your hand off your billfold. We'll get there before it's over with, I'm sure. Right now, you can take your hand off your billfold. We're talking about everything. God loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful really literally means hilarious. It, it literally means that you are so happy about giving. It puts a smile on your face. You're excited about doing it. You're anxious to do it. One of the greatest offerings I ever saw received. Was a man was preaching from this verse of Scripture and said, you ought to be able to shout as you give your offering. And people started dancing down the aisles, waving their money and throwing it on the platform. And God started blessing and miracles took place and all kinds of things happened as people gave cheerfully. God doesn't just like a cheerful giver. God's not just pleased with a cheerful giver. But you want to make God really happy. God loves when you can give cheerfully. All right. So, I've already preached half my lesson tonight. But um, I'm not done. Half is not all. I want to talk to you tonight about faithful stewards. Faithful stewards. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight, can we? Everybody, let's lift our voice to the Lord. Let's talk to Him. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Let's, let's press our way through into the presence of the Lord tonight.
Come on, let's worship him. Come on, we need him to touch us tonight. You want God to do something for you? Put something in right now. You want God to talk to you? You want God to give you answers? Put something in right now. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Everyone say faithful stewards. And you may be seated. Now, a steward very simply is one who is given charge of the possessions of someone else. Dictionary.com defines a steward in the following ways. It is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. It is one who administers anything as the agent of another. Have you got that? Two of you have that. All right, let's try a second definition. A steward is a person who has the charge of the household of another, buying or obtaining food, directing the servants, etc. All right? It is important that you understand that a steward is not the owner. He is the director over something owned by someone else. He himself owns nothing. But he's put in charge of handling that which belongs to someone else. Now, no doubt he's given, if he is a steward, he's given some liberties to make some decisions. He's allowed to decide how much food are we going to buy? What, what supplies do we need in the house right now? Um, uh, who do I need to be doing what? He can make certain decisions, but he's got to understand this is not my money. This is not my home. I might not want to paint it this way, but if that's the way the owner wants it painted, my obligation is not to please me, it's to please the owner. I might want to invest all of my money in gold, but the owner may want it invested in various stocks. Doesn't matter what I want, I'm handling his money. That's a steward. Steward handles the affairs, the possessions, the belongings of someone else on their behalf. Amen. Now, you know, we, we don't really have many stewards today. Um, and so there's not really a good example that I can think of in modern terminology. The closest that I could get would be like a banker, where you take your money, you give it to the banker, you understand that the banker's not putting that money in an envelope and sticking it in a drawer. You do understand that, don't you? 
I mean, you can sign every one of those bills, put your signature on them. If you go back tomorrow to withdraw them, you're not getting the same bills back. Because he's taking that money and he's doing something with it. It's not a perfect example. But, but where it does fit is, that is your money. And, and you know, I've been frustrated before because I've made a deposit and then wanted to get money. And the bank says, well, you know, that deposit hasn't cleared your account yet. But I put the money in there. I understand. But it's not on the record yet. You can't have it back. Anybody ever been there? That's a little frustrating. That's my money. That's not your money. It's mine. So that's why I say a banker's not really a perfect example of what a steward is. If you go to the steward and the steward has your money, if he doesn't just turn around and hand it over, he's lost his job. No excuses. No arguments. Because that's not his. In any way, shape, or form. He may have some control over it, but it is not his. Are you hearing me tonight? I want you to understand. I want you to consider again this uh, portion of Scripture from our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what Paul says. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. All right, all right. Now, we're going to read verse 2 in a moment, but, but I want you to look at something here. I want you to consider something with me. This is Bible study time, all right? So pay attention. We're studying our Bibles. Amen. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers. Now, when we think of the term minister, we generally think of preacher. Since Paul's writing, we assume that's what he's talking about. The problem is that's not the Greek word for preacher. In fact, it is a unique Greek word. Um, it's not even the Greek word for servant per se, although that is a better definition than is minister. Thayer's Greek Dictionary says it is a servant, it is an attendant, it is one who renders aid to another. So we're not talking about preachers here. We are all the servants of Christ. We're his servants. We're not all preachers, but we're all his servants. And let a man so account of us as the servants of Christ and what? The servants of Christ are the stewards of what God has given us. Listen to me, saints of God. We have got to understand as a servant of Christ, you don't own anything. You don't own anything. Everything you are in possession of belongs to Christ. 
It's his. It's his. And you are simply his attendant. You are simply his servant. He has entrusted you with some things. And he expects you to handle them wisely. Let's read the next verse. So we are stewards. We are stewards of the things that belong to Christ. And read. Moreover, it is required it is in what? stewards. It is what? It is what? It is required. It's not suggested. It's essential. It is necessary. It is required in stewards. What? That a man be found faithful. So we're not just to be stewards. But the requirement of God is that we be faithful stewards. Well, hallelujah. The word faithful means trustworthy. It means a person who shows themselves to be faithful in the transacting of business, in the execution of commands, in the discharge of official duties. One who has kept his plighted faith, who is worthy of trust, who can be relied upon. I'm telling you that as the servant of Christ, Whatever you call yours is not yours. It's his. And furthermore, God expects you to faithfully take care of whatever he has put into your hands. Oh, I wish somebody would help me tonight. I think some of you have got your guard up afraid I'm, gonna, I'm really going to walk your, your, what do they say, hoe your row tonight. Drop your guard and let me preach to you, all right? In fact, I'm going to tell you something. If I can't preach to you and do so with liberty, I'm not really your pastor. I'm just another preacher. I've got to have liberty. And if it upsets you, you know somebody said one time, if that rubs you the wrong way, turn around. And if you'll turn around, it'll be rubbing you the right way. Well, praise God. So let me preach to you for a little while here tonight. I feel this so strong on my heart that God wants us to shake ourselves. As, as Americans, we have come to be so possessive of everything. And God, I'm telling you, the day's coming. We're not going to be able to have that attitude. And we'd better shake ourselves now. And we'd better awaken ourselves to the fact that everything that comes across our fingertips really belongs to God. And we're going to have to answer to God for what we do with it. Well, hallelujah. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. Ye are bought with a price. But not ye, be not ye the servants of men. So, you've been bought with a price. And you weren't bought by men. No man bought you. So you don't serve them. You serve the one who bought you. Hello? You serve the one who bought you. You belong to him. You know, I could go back and take you 
to the Old Testament laws of servitude and show you that when a man purchased a servant, whatever that servant attained while he was in that man's home, when he walked out the door, he gave it all up because none of it was his. That was the law. If he came in and while he was there in servitude, the master bought him clothes, the master provided him with shoes, the master gave him a chariot to drive. When he walked out the door, obtaining his freedom from the master, the chariot stayed behind, the clothes stayed behind, the shoes stayed behind. In fact, it was so strict that if he got married while he was in that position of servitude, and even if he had kids in that position of servitude, when he walked out the door, the wife and kids stayed behind as well. Do you know that's, that was in the law? That's the way it worked. And the servant had the option of becoming what we now call a love slave, where he said, well, I'm not going to leave my wife and kids. I'm not going to leave the position. But the whole point was this. They don't belong to me. They belong to my master. And the only way I have a promise of keeping them is if I stay in service to my master. Well, hallelujah. It's not mine. You know, I might, I might wax that chariot every week. I might fix the axles when it breaks. I, I might go in and hone the wheels so they're good and smooth. I, I, I mean, I spend a lot of hours, but when I walk out the master's door, doesn't matter how much I invested in that chariot, it does not belong to me. It's my master's. And this is the idea we've got to get. I don't care what you think you have. It's not yours. It's God's. It's His. Come on, somebody. It, it belongs to the Master because He bought you. And so whatever we own, we don't really own. God owns it. And if God owns it, then we have to take care of it and use it for His purpose. It's not to please us. It's for Him. Well, now this is where I could really get bogged down here tonight. In May, I don't know. But... But I, I've been just looking through the scripture and finding that there are some things that God specifically said. They're not yours. They're mine. Things we think we own. I mean, I could go, you know, through a lot of things. Uh, he said, vengeance is mine. There's a lot of things God said was his. I'm talking about things that we really have a mindset, especially as Americans, that this is mine. When God said, no, it's not. Let me show you a few things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 
For ye are bought with a price. There it said again, the same thing we read in 1 Corinthians 7, 23. You're bought with a price. But listen to what he says here. Therefore glorify, Therefore, glorify God, God in your body. In your what? Body. In your what? Body. In your body. And in your spirit. And in your what? Spirit. Your spirit. Which are God's. Which are whose? God. Did you know your body is not your body? Well, am I in the book? The scripture specifically says, your body is God's. It's God's. It's not yours. Now, I'm preaching to you about being faithful stewards. And I've got to ask you, are you being a good steward with your body? Oh, a whole lot of folks just checked out. See you next time. Praise God. You're done right there. But it's the truth. Your body does not belong to you. It belongs to God. He bought it. Paul said he bought it. He bought your body. That's what this verse says. You you and whatever you consist of you have been bought with a price now he tells you what you consist of you consist of your body and your spirit and so when God bought you he bought your body are you being a good steward with the body God loaned you? <clears throat> I'm trying. I appreciate the encouragement. I'm trying real hard. I'm hitting a few stumps tonight. Because we get a little sensitive about this. Look, I haven't done a perfect job with it. But I'm going to tell you, we better never lose sight of the fact your body doesn't belong to you. God didn't give it to you to treat it any way you want to treat it. I, um, I, don't, I don't want to destroy the lessons that are yet unfolding by getting too deep into these things. But I'm just going to tell you something. Well, let me just plow into it. And we'll, we'll come back and we'll teach on it and we'll lay out all the principles as God allows us the time to do so which means that some of you may start asking if you can work on Thursday nights. Um, but, be that as it may, uh, we've got to ask ourselves, are we being a good steward of our body when we stay up half the night playing games, doing things, talking, and not getting the rest we need to get. Are we being a good steward? Are we just doing what's enjoyable to us? Are these things sin? And please, let me just take this moment to clarify. This is a major problem, especially in conservative apostolic churches. That anytime a preacher starts preaching something, then immediately people think heaven or hell. we got to get beyond that. You know, there are some things that are not a matter of heaven or hell. 
Paul specifically mentions weights and sins. Some things are a weight. Some things hinder our relationship with God. But we ought to feel just as strongly about avoiding the weights as we do avoiding the sin. It's not all about can I do this and still be saved. It's about how does it affect my relationship with God. Am I having the best relationship with him that I can have? I might be able to go to heaven and do this. But I may not have the relationship with God I need to have. And am I willing to sacrifice that relationship? It's not all about whether it's heaven or hell. It's about your relationship. And so so when we're When we're wasting time and we're doing things that are not necessary and and, and we're not giving our body the proper rest it needs, are we being a good steward? I know sometimes you can't help it. You know, I'm getting ready to go to Africa. I'm going to have to spend two nights on a plane. I can promise you I'm going to get very little rest for those two nights. But I can't help it. There's really nothing I can do about it. All right? And so, I feel like God is the one who's opened this door. God is the one who wants me to go there. And if this is the only way I can get there, then I'm being a good steward, even though I'm not getting the rest my body needs. But if I'm just staying up night after night to do unnecessary things and not allowing my body to rest, that's a different story. Again, this is a fine line of balance we need in our life. Because if you take that to the extreme, you can say, well then, you know, I can't get up and pray in the morning because i got to sleep. My body needs rest. Your body does need rest. But, but, Jesus said, you come to me and I'll give you rest. If you're spending the night in prayer, that's more rest than you're going to get sleeping. If you're up early for prayer, that's more rest than you're going to get sleeping. So don't twist what I'm saying. And I hate that you even have to try, to try to clarify this. But I'm just telling you, we've got to be good stewards of our body. What about our resting habits? What about our work habits? You know, lazy people are not being good stewards of their bodies. People who are lazy are not being good stewards. God is the one who created us to work. Oh boy. That's a foreign concept in America, isn't it? But it's the truth. God created us to work. And we're not being good stewards of our body if we don't work. When we're lazy... We are affecting our bodies. And we're not being a good steward. About the way we dress our body. Are we being a good steward by the way we dress? Well, you haven't liked anything else I've said, so I might as well throw this one out. How about the way we eat? I, I, I just, I just, I just... We apostolics. Well, I won't smoke because it defiles a temple. And I won't drink because it defiles a temple. 
but give me another triple with two slices of cheese and supersize my fries and give me a 12,000 calorie drink to go with it. But, but I'm not going to smoke or drink because that defiles my temple. I'm just throwing it out there, church. I'm telling you, we got to be good stewards. We really do have to be good stewards. It is required. Do you understand that word? It is required of a steward that you be faithful. That God can trust you with the things He's given you. And He gave you your body. He needs to be able to trust you. I said, I haven't been perfect at it. Long way from it. But I am telling you this. I do think that God wants us to reevaluate some things. Oh, hallelujah. I've really waited out there. Well, I would tell you it's going to get better, but I really don't think it is. And I wouldn't want to lie to you. So, Your body belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is also God's. This belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. Your spirit can involve a number of things. It involves your attitude. Are you being a good steward with your attitude? When you walk in with a chip on your shoulder, when you walk in angry at others, are you being a good steward with your spirit? When we come in into a service with our own little grievances and I know, I know, I know this is not near as exciting as as Brother Aston and Brother Sailor and Brother Gidry, I know. But this is what a pastor has to do. It's not their job to do what I'm doing. This is my job. I'm going to tell you something. We come into a service and we've got our little attitudes and we've got our little things that are bothering us. Then we sit in a service stewing or upset or mad or whatever. We're binding the service for everybody else. This service doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. Are you being a good steward? That little grudge you hold against someone else. I want to tell you, you're not being a good steward of your spirit when you hold grudges. You're not being a good steward of your spirit when you refuse to forgive. You're not being a good steward of your spirit when you gossip and backbite. You're not being a good steward of your spirit when you set unconcerned and disconnected during the service. I mean, in fact, this scripture says to do what? Do what? 
to glorify God in your spirit. How does sitting in a service board, twiddling your thumbs, sending text messages, playing games, whatever else you're doing, how does that glorify God with your spirit? When God's trying to do something with your spirit, shouldn't that spirit be in tune with his spirit? Don't you think that's what the master wants? Glorify God in your spirit. In your spirit. The way you control it or fail to control it. Your temper. Your attitudes. Your worship. You've got to be a good steward. Your body and your spirit. I'm going to say your body and your spirit. And that's only one verse where God talks about what belongs to him. Let's talk about something else here. And as I said, I would tell you it's going to get better, but I don't think it is. Psalm 127, verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. They're a heritage of whom? The Lord. The Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his is reward. Whose reward? So to whom do our children belong? They're not yours. They're God's. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. See, I knew, I knew, I knew. Your children. I want to know tonight, are you being the best steward you can be with the children God has given you? Are you raising them in such a way that you know this is exactly what the master wants. Not what I want, but what the master wants. Because they're not mine. Oh, I want, I want little Herkimer to grow up to be a brain surgeon. I, I want, in fact, I want him to be a brain surgeon and a lawyer. And, I mean, I, you know, I... Because I want to have big bucks coming in when I get ready to retire. And I want Herkimer to be able to take care of me. It doesn't matter what you want. The question is, what does God want? God may want Herkimer to be a missionary on some foreign field living from, 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 from hand to mouth, barely getting by. That may be what God wants for Herkimer. The question is, are you going to be a good steward? Are you going to raise your child based upon what you think is nice and good and sweet? Or are you going to search this book and find out what God wants for that child? And raise them in accordance with the desires and the dictates of the master. They're not yours. And again, we go back to the story of the servant in the Old Testament. If he walked out of the master's house. Those weren't his kids. I don't care how much he loved them. I don't care how much he invested in them. I don't care how much he desired. If he's going to walk away from the master, they're not his kids. Those children belong to the master. And we've got to understand, they're not our children. They're God's children. Children are an heritage of the Lord. 
of the Lord. Children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. God gave you those children. Now it is your job, your obligation, your requirement that whatever you do in raising them is the way God wants them raised. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I don't want to go back and reteach Sunday morning's lesson. But I'm just going to tell you something. You better stop and think about it. When you send those kids off and let the government start indoctrinating them. Telling them that homosexuality is just an alternate lifestyle. Is that what the master wants your kid to hear? Are you really going to tell me that's what he wants? I don't believe it for a minute. Someone was just telling me that it is a common thing now in the public schools. Common thing to see children openly homosexual. Holding hands, walking down the hall. Is that really, you think that's what the master wants your child to see? Do you really think that's what he wants? You have an obligation. You have a requirement. That child is not yours. He's God's. And your job is to make sure that that child is raised as God wants the child raised. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the master is pleased with how well you've taught your child to pray? Is the master pleased with the example you've set in reading your Bible, in church attendance, in whatever else? Is the master pleased? Because they're not your kids, they're his. And you've got to be a faithful steward in the way you raise your children. Help us, Jesus. I'm still telling you the truth. I'm still preaching the truth. The way you discipline your child or refuse to discipline. If you're abusive, if you're hateful, if you're mean, you slap them around, you better remember that's not your child. That's God's child. Hallelujah. I, I, I have reminded preachers that's not your flock. That's God's flock. And you better make sure. And, and to you young preachers that are here, listen to your pastor. You better always remember these are God's sheep. They are the sheep of His pasture. And whatever you do to His sheep, you're going to have to answer for it. And whatever you as parents do to your kids, you're going to answer to God. You are going to stand before God and give God all the excuses for why you got mad and slapped them why you got mad, called them stupid, why you got mad and abused them verbally or physically, you're going to answer to God. 
for your lack of self-control. That's his child. And you've got to raise that child as a faithful steward. I want to put in that child the things God wants in the child. I want to raise them the way God wants them raised. What are you teaching your child? What are you teaching them about responsibility? Oh, hallelujah. This is just the introductory lesson, so just prepare yourself. Praise God. We'll go in depth on some of these things, the Lord willing, in the weeks to come. But, but understand, understand that when you let them get by, rather than making sure they are responsible, you excuse their lack of responsibility. You better stop and think. This is not your child. Oh, they're so cute. Oh, I know they're not really telling the truth, but they're so cute. Do you think your master wants you to call lying cute? Do you think your master wants disrespect to be an acceptable thing? Well, I didn't expect you to run the aisles tonight. But I am telling you the truth. I feel this so strong, church. We've got to get a revelation of stewardship. We need a revelation of stewardship. Our body belongs to God. Our spirit belongs to God. Our children belong to God. And what else? Matthew 22. My time's up. Matthew 22. Verses 19 to 21. Show me the tribute money. And they brought... Show me the tribute what? Money. What? What's the subject? Money. See, this is what they told me. When I was in college, they told me. Two things. Two things. You better be careful when you deal with two things. People's children and people's money. You're going to make somebody mad. So that's why I knew I was going to deal with both of them tonight. I didn't stand a chance. Somebody's not going to be happy when they leave here. Show me the tribute, what? Money. Money. So he's talking about money. All right. And they and, brought him a penny. And they brought unto him a penny. Uh-huh. And he saith unto them, Whose is the image in superscription? So, so whose image, whose picture is on this penny? They say unto him, Caesar's. Uh huh. Then saith he unto them, So he said, Render therefore unto Caesar. Caesar the things Anything which are that belongs Caesar's, to Caesar, and unto God, and give the God what belongs to God. Now, what's the topic? Money. The topic is money, and Jesus says that money, God has a right to your money. Caesar has a right to it. Caesar created it. He's got a right to it. That's why you need to pay your taxes. That's why you don't cheat on your taxes. To do so is a violation of the scripture. Now, I'm not telling you you have to pay one penny more than you owe. But you shouldn't pay a penny less either. That went over like a flock of dogs. A lace bathtub. 
an expectant pole vaulter. What other terms can I use? In other words, it just didn't go over very well. Hallelujah. But Caesar created it. Caesar has a right to it. But that's not all. God's got a right to it. And I want to tell you, the money that you have is not your money. Oh, I work for it. I understand. But I also understand God can pull that job right out from under you. I heard the testimonies tonight, even though I wasn't in the sanctuary. I heard the testimonies tonight. People thanking God for various job situations. That's the way it should be. God's the one who should get the praise. God's the one that should get the praise. And God deserves for us to be stewards of our money. Now, this church, anybody that's been here any length of time knows that if there is any one subject in all the scripture that I do not like to talk about, it's money. If you've been here any length of time, you know that's the case. I don't like it. In fact, I want to tell you, I didn't realize this. I went back and did some, some looking today just to see when is the last time that I really addressed money. January 2010. It's been almost three and a half years ago. So I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not a money-hungry preacher. I'm not dealing with money because that's all I can talk about. But I will tell you this. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. Combined. Did you get that? He talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. In fact, the only subject he spoke about more was the kingdom of God. Number one, frequent topic, kingdom of God. Number two, frequent topic, money. Are you going to call Jesus money hungry? He sure dealt with it. Do you realize that 11 out of 39 parables deal with money? 11 out of 39. One out of every seven verses in Luke, one out of every seven in Luke talk about money. Pretty important subject. So I can't do my job as a pastor and not deal with money. But I want you to understand, it's not just 10% that belongs to God. A hundred percent belongs to God. Every penny you get is his. He doesn't ask for all of it back. He lets you live your life on the majority of it. But it's still his. And we will answer to God not just for what we did with 10%. But we're going to answer to God for what we did with 100%. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Because I'm going to work on it some more before this series is done. We've got to understand 
that God is the one who is supposed to be in control of every dollar that slips through our hands. Does that mean we can never buy anything we want? Of course not. Don't don't do that. Don't twist what I'm saying. But I am telling you, I do believe we're going to answer to God when we are wasteful. We can't pay our bills, but we can sure pay Ruby Tuesdays. We're behind on the electric, but we can afford to go out to eat. I don't understand that. And I don't believe God understands that. Eating out is not, it should not be, Lord, I'm really, I am really out on a limb tonight. Eating out, I just, I've got to be honest with you, church. It concerns me. When I hear some of you talking about how much you're struggling financially, and then I see you post pictures where you're eating out. I don't understand it. How do you afford to eat out if you're having trouble paying your bills? That restaurant tab, that tab would buy a whole lot of groceries. I'm not preaching against going out to eat. If you can afford it, do it. Enjoy it. But the key is, can you afford it? Don't tell me you're struggling financially. And yet you're going out to eat three and four and five times a week. I I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I, you, well, I don't know how good it is, but it's preaching nonetheless. Um, I'm talking about, I really am trying to help us be stewards. I want to tell you something, church. Listen. God has great plans for us as an assembly. But you want to know what's going to have to happen? It takes money to run. It takes money to exist. And you want to know what's going to have to happen? Some of you are going to have to quit using your credit cards. Quit going in debt on trinkets and toys. So you can afford to give a little bit more to the kingdom of God. Maybe I should go ahead and read that verse in Malachi. Is that what's up next? What's up next? Malachi chapter 3. Read. Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed Yet me. Yet you have robbed me. But ye say, wherein you say? Now, wait. have when, we robbed thee? When have I ever stolen from God? And God said, In tithes in, and offerings. Now, now, many Pentecostals put a period after the word tithes. They do. I pay my tithes. I pay my tithes. I I was talking to a pastor just today, just today, who called me. He said, I'm so frustrated. I had somebody stand up and testify and said, I told God the other day, God, I pay my tithes. Now you're obligated to bless me. I said, brother, there's a problem here because the scripture didn't say you robbed God just because you didn't pay your tithes. I'm waiting in deep tonight. Good preaching. Good preaching. You have your van key. All right. It's a nice van. 
everything I've seen. I haven't, you haven't ever taken me for a ride in it. You've never taken me anywhere. But, you know, from the outside, it looks pretty nice. Minivan's a nice thing when you've got a family of... How many you got now? And really, I mean, that Jeep now, I've seen the Jeep. I, you've taken me for rides in the Jeep. Something's wrong with this picture. You've taken me for rides in the Jeep, but I've never been in the van. All right, anyhow. But it doesn't matter, Brother Merriman. I, I appreciate all you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it is. Now it's really getting good. I mean, I'm just now really hitting my stride. Um, but, but, you know, I really appreciate everything you do. appreciate how you help me out. I appreciate all that. So here's what I want to do. Tonight, I'm giving you the key to a minivan. I gave that to you. Isn't that great? I just gave him, I just gave him the key to a minivan. Didn't I? I mean, did I just present him with, I mean, isn't that a great gift? When you like to get a gift, somebody give you a key. All right, this is your minivan. Wouldn't that be great? So why are you not impressed with what I gave him? Because it was already his, that's why. I didn't give him anything. That's his. So when I write out a check for 10% of my income, I have not given God anything. I haven't given him anything. All I did was return back to him what's his. I have not been a good faithful steward until I write checks above the 10%. Then I'm actually giving. See, we've got a minivan too. Now, if I went and got the keys to that minivan and handed that to Brother Merriman, then we could say I've really done something, right? I'm not going to because all you'll do is take me for rides in your Jeep. You're not getting the van. That's all her fault. It sounds like Adam, doesn't it? It's that woman that you gave me, God. You ought to know by now you're not going to win. So, yeah. I always get the last word. So, my point is this. Some of you who think you give so much really ought to stop and look at how much you're giving above the 10% because that's when your giving starts. Everything outside of that is just returning what's already gone. You make $1,000 and you give God 100 in, in tithe, that's, that belongs to God. And then you write him a check for five. Not hundred, just five. That's all you gave him. You gave, you made a thousand and you gave God five dollars. That's all you gave him. You gave him five dollars out of a thousand. A hundred was already his. But all you gave him was five. Let me just tell you something, church. Listen to me, and I'm going to try to close Poor Sister Tori. Becky, Becca is not even here to help out, and Tori's having to carry the load. And I don't know what in the world you're going to play to wrap this up, but just 
just start trying to think of some song about people who abuse their pastors by sticking them in a broken down Jeep. Just, just see if you can come up with some song that has a line in it, you know, about that. And we won't even talk about Brother Dell's pickup. We won't even go there. That's... But I'm having to hold the glove box shut when we're driving down the road. And we won't even talk about all that, all right? I'm not even mentioning that. Well, praise God. Hey, it's paid for, right? It's paid for, so that's right. It's better to do that. I mean, really, I mean, I know we're having fun, but it's better to do that than it is to go in debt that you can't afford very easy it, it'd be honestly it'd be very easy for brother Dell to justify it. we know the church has needed this pickup needed me to do things with a pickup and really I, I can't and so it would just what I need to do is just go in debt and go get a nice big it people could justify it and give spiritual justification to do what they want to do I've seen it happen many times well I'm gonna bless the church with this yeah right it's not about you blessing the church it's about you blessing yourself Let's just be honest. All right, so I've just about offended everybody tonight. Let's see if I can find one or two more before we, before we quit. Um, God said, you have robbed me. Do you understand what it means to rob somebody? I can't rob you of something if you don't own it. And God said, you've robbed me, not just in tithes. But you've robbed me when you didn't give offerings. How's that, God? Unless God owns 100%. And if God's moving on you to give more than you're giving and you don't do it, you're keeping back from God what is rightfully His. It's like you going to the bank and saying, look, I just put $1,000 in my account. And they said, we're sorry, all you can have is five. You don't get any more than that. You know, we're having tough times here at the bank. I can't afford any more than that. That's all we can give you. We, we got other things we got to do with this. I'm sorry, you can't have any more than five. But it's mine. I put it there. Sorry, sir, that's all we can afford. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. I want to, I, and I want you to hear your pastor. Would you please listen to what I'm about to tell you? Some of you that are having repeated financial problems need to learn to give your way out of the problem. So, well, I'm already given X amount. Well, maybe X is not enough. Maybe you need X plus Y. Maybe God's looking to you to do a greater sacrifice than what you've been doing. But I promise you, we read it a while ago, that if you'll give bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. That's the promise of God. You start giving and watch God start blessing. Now, Part of that, you've got to give it cheerfully. And I'm going to tell you, that's one reason why some people who are giving are not being blessed. Because, you know, I'll write out my time. 
I, I literally saw, I saw it with my own eyes years ago. You're not playing yet, and I just keep preaching until you start playing, so um, it's all her fault. Um, I saw this with my own eyes. A man paid his tithes, and when he figured 10%, it came out to a half cent. You know, the 10%, whatever it was, it came out to a half cent. He took some, some shears and cut a penny in half and put that in with his tithe because that was 10%. I would hate to go to hell over a half a penny. And I'm not saying he's going to hell because he didn't give God an extra half penny. I'm saying I think he's going to be lost because of his attitude about giving to God. That's what I see as so bad is the whole attitude. You know, I heard Brother Booker make the statement one time. He said, I can guarantee you. You know, the whole sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not that they kept everything back. That wasn't the sin. Because nobody said they had to give 100%. The sin was they claimed it was 100% when it wasn't. The sin was they were claiming a higher percentage than what really existed. That was the sin. I heard Brother Booker make the statement one time. He said, said, I just kind of have this feeling that after Ananias and Sapphira died and were carried out for their whole percentage thing, I have a feeling that not one person after that for a long time ever, ever put in the tithing envelope, if that's what they used, $97.35. I doubt anybody did that. I can almost guarantee you everybody said, let's just make it an even hundred. Don't you think? I mean, you know, I, I, I want to make sure. I, I, God, I don't want to cut it too close here. I just want to make sure that I got it all covered and just, you know, maybe there was something I got a week or two ago that I didn't think about. And, you know, this whole, and, and we'll get into it, Lord willing. This whole thing of tithing, we really need to rethink because sometimes we're getting things that are an increase to us that we're not tithing on. We had a family on food stamps, and I will tell you, they were very faithful about coming to us and saying, I want a grocery list. This is how much food stamps we get. We want a grocery list. This is an increase to us. And 10% of this belongs to God. It's not ours. We can't use 100% of it. I wonder how many other things we get that really, and, and I'm, I'm throwing, she's playing now. I can't blame it on her. Who am I going to blame it on? I was talking to a man. He's, he's, a, he's a, a worker, a builder. And he said, he said there was another man that had something I wanted and he needed something done the kind of work that I do and and he asked me can we just trade out he said what he doesn't understand is if I get that thing from him that I want I consider that an increase and the value of that thing that comes to me I'm going to sit down and give God a check for 10% of that because it's an increase to me and so really I'd have to work more than that to compensate. He'd have to end up paying me some or I'm going to lose money by just doing this trade. 
Now, am I going to tell you God expects that? I don't know that God expects that every time. But I do think that sometimes we allow things to come to us as an increase that we don't turn around and give God his part. You know, in the old days, and I know this makes me an old timer, but the fact of the matter is in the old days, people had gardens. They considered whatever they grew to be an increase. That's right. It was an increase. And they'd bag up the squash and whatever else it was that they'd grown in their garden. There was 10% of whatever they'd gotten in their garden. They brought it to the man of God. That's an increase. We actually had a woman one time that, that her dog had puppies. 11 puppies and she said I gotta pay tithes and um, um, you know if you feel like you need to pay tithes on your puppies fine I'll find a good home for them it won't be mine I'm done with dogs You can have them all you want. They're cute, they're sweet, all that. I'm done with them. Praise God. Uh, anyhow, that's, that's not doctrine. That's opinion, all right? You do what you want. Have all of them you want. Praise God, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, if you can afford them. But I'm about to get into something here, but I've seen people come to me and complain, well, I can't even afford to do this, and I can't afford to do that. But they got two big old huge bruiser dogs that they're feeding 100 pounds of feed every week or whatever it is, and that's costing a bundle. Don't tell me you can't buy groceries when you're feeding hound dog, whatever his name is. I'm sure that wasn't it. I'm sure it was Fido or something fancy. That's P-H-Y-D-E-A-U. Fido. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't tell me you're struggling financially when you can afford to feed two or three big, huge dogs. All these other things that you do. We can simplify our lives and start getting out of debt, and I believe that God would be much more pleased. If we'll deny ourselves a few of our toys that we really like and pay off some debt. Well, I owe more than it's worth. Well, then sell it, take a loss, and start working on getting it paid for. But quit paying every month for something you can't afford. Well, all right. Have I made enough enemies for one night? Hallelujah. I hope, as the Apostle Paul said, I hope I have not become your enemy because I've told you the truth. Everything I've said tonight has been the truth. And I'm just telling you, I feel like God is calling His church, not just this church, but His church, back to a place where we become stewards, where we are truly serving Him and giving Him everything that's ours rather than us becoming so possessive and trying to amass to ourselves things. 
I believe the day's coming those things are not going to matter to us those things are just not going to matter well hallelujah alright I went oh Lord Jesus I didn't know I went that long let's stand Jesus help me I want to be a good steward in fact I want to be a faithful steward if God entrusts me with something I want to make sure that I handle it the way he wants it handled I want to to make sure that, that I do with it what he wants me to do you know that bonus that comes in on the job unexpected that may not be for you to go buy that latest toy that may be because God knows there's tough times coming in a month or two.